Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Sometimes during um, our song services, our praise time, I see things that happen, and and I get tickled. And this morning was one of those times. And so here's here's Hollis and Willene in the choir, and Willene is looking at me like, why are you laughing about things? Well, you'll find out why I was laughing because it fits right in. This is a really cool deal. When, when God puts something on my heart earlier in the week, earlier in the month, it's really kind of interesting how sometimes things that happen around during the week, during that Sunday, fit into this. And one of them happened today, and it was kind of like I was over here just going, oh, good, 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 because I get to share with you something that many of you all just saw but may not know the context or how, how deep that really goes. So this morning we're going to be talking about His church and your church. His church and your church. We're going to be sharing a little bit about not First Baptist Church, but about this church, because the Scripture talks about it, uh, and and it, and as it talks about it, it gives the the picture of what you and I ought to be doing in our church. Now, look, if you go, well, we we already talked about this. Frank. I I don't see Frank here today. Frank works at the post office here in Navasota, and uh, one of the things that he does is exactly what Heron shared just a moment ago. He he helps sort mail and put it in the boxes at the post office here in Navasota so that everybody who has a post office box gets the right mail. Well, guys, let me share with you. When you and I begin to look at what God is doing in His church, He wants us not to sort His mail, but He wants us to not only be the deliverers of that mail, but of also the good news. And the good news that we have is that Jesus Christ... God's only Son, died on a cross for your sin and mine, and didn't stay dead, but was raised from the dead. And He lives right now, the right hand of the Father, and He waits, He waits for you. He waits for you. He has an appointment just for you. When we talk about that as a church family, it's news that we ought to share all the way in our church and outside of our church as well. I want to share this with you. Do you know what this is? Do you know what that is? That's an old church. All right? Nope, that is actually Notre Dame de Paris. Did I do that right? Did I say that right? Okay, for all of you Francophiles, if I mispronounce that, that's just part of the damage you get done to you today being here at First Baptist Church. It is the Cathedral of Notre Dame. It is actually located on what was a separate little island in the midst of the Seine River in the middle of one of the uh, portions of Paris. Now, I want to ask you all, how many of you all have actually been there? Raise your hand hold it up. Okay, we got a few. Good. It's magnificent. It is the most visited place in the capital of Paris France. It is the most visited. Over 12 million people a year visit this site. Why? Well, first of all, it, it was built in 1160. It was first built 
and started. It took almost a hundred years to complete. They didn't have cranes in those days. All of these magnificent blocks, all of the windows that you see in there, it is known for, for the, the Romanesque type of medieval architecture where you have flying buttresses that help hold the wall together and these incredible windows, the rose windows, that are throughout the sanctuary. And on April 15th of last year, a fire broke out during the renovation of Notre Dame. It burned from the top down, just like our, our sanctuary over here did. It started a fire in the roof, and thankfully it did not start it from the ground up. And as the roof was consumed, it collapsed into the church. It blew out many of the windows. It destroyed tapestries that were hundreds of years old. It literally structurally demolished 90% of the church itself. 90% of the church was affected by the fire. So I've got a question for you this morning. Is the church gone? This is yes, this is no, this is I'm falling asleep. All right, is the church gone? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, Paul writes... In the book of Ephesians, he writes it to this little tiny struggling church that was having all kinds of issues. The issues they were having centered around not a fire that had burned their building to the ground, but instead a division that was in the midst of this little church. You had on the one hand a lot of Jewish converts. These were people that believed Jesus was the Messiah. And then you had, and I did this one time in our church several years ago, and then I said, then we had this group right over here that were all the, the Gentiles that heard about Jesus, wanted Jesus to come into their life. And you have the Jews over here that were saying, yes, but if you really want to be a Christian, you got to do this. They mentioned off some of the things you've got to do that most guys, in, uh, most grown guys are going to say that's, that's no-go. Alright? Read about it. You'll find out what they talked about. All the Gentiles over here were going, I don't want to be a Jew. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And so there was this little split that was going on in the church. And Paul writes to them, and in the fifth chapter, if you've got your Bible, I hope you do, turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, and we're going to read some verses that oftentimes get get jerked out of context, but Paul is writing, listen to me, to two audiences here. He's, he's writing to families. He's saying this is the way families ought to go ahead and operate. And please hear this. There have been plenty of people that have been pulpits across America that have taken these verses and jerked them completely out of context so that one person or another can be put on under someone's thumb. That's not what Paul is saying. He's speaking about families, but he's also talking about God's family. God's family is the church. The church was not destroyed on April 15th of 2019. The cathedral was seriously damaged. But the church, listen to me, the next Sunday the church met. They didn't meet in the, in the cathedral in the midst of Paris, in the in the burning ashes. They met instead out in the front part. If, if, if you have ever been there, there is this great plaza in front. And they met there. And they prayed. 
And the Catholic priest that led that prayer said, God, we have no idea what we will do next, but you do. And we trust you. That was his prayer. He got it right. The church wasn't destroyed. And when the Apostle Paul writes to you and me today about what it means to be submissive to one another, when he writes about the church, and we'll read about that in a moment, I want you to listen with your heart to what God has to say to you and me today so that we hear from Him, not from a preacher. And oh, by the way, Sam, I know I gave you five minutes. Will you give me five minutes today? All right, five minutes. I'm not going to be able to do it. All right, let's read together God's Word. This is found in Ephesians chapter 5. We stand when we read God's Word for the holy, the holiness of it and giving thanks to God for the opportunity to share it together. Read with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy and cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. So many times when we read this, we skip that first verse, verse 21. It says we are to submit ourselves one to another. Now I've shared about this before. There are some things in our marriage that Stacy and I, and by the way, we just celebrated 33 years of marriage the other day. No, 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 no. No, not a, not a, not a. Al and Ima Jean have been married longer than Sam's been alive, all right? They've been married forever, all right? It's wonderful. 33 years, they were, that would have been to them just getting started. But the reason I share that with you is there are some things that in our marriage I submit to her in. What does submit mean? Look, submit does not mean like the Rolling Stones song. Under my thumb. That's not what it is. Submission means I entrust myself to you. I entrust the leadership you're going to provide by God's grace to you. Now there's some things that I submit to her in. There are things the Bible says she's to submit to me in. But, but it's interesting that when we read this, did you notice that Paul, as he's talking about the relationship between husbands and wives, all of a sudden, he says, this is kind of like the church. You see, the church is, is God's bride. And Christ is the head of the church. And he starts putting it in church, what we would take as church language, rather than people language. Now, there was a reason for this. If you remember, he's talking to two different audiences in church. One is Gentile. One is a group that has no idea what, what the Old Testament would say. One of them has no idea who Moses and Abraham really were. 
They're just happy to be forgiven of their sins. These are Gentiles that hear the good news and respond to it. One of this group, one of the other group, the Jews, know everything. They know where they came from. They know what tribe they were in. They are deep into this stuff. And they believe that Jesus is not just Lord, He's Messiah. And to them that means everything. You have two groups that seem to be polar opposites in ways, disparate in all all occasions. I want to share with you that when Paul writes this, he's trying to tell them subtly together, you form one body. You form one union. You are in fact one in God's eyes. Now why is this important to his church, First Baptist Church here in Navasota this morning? Well, I can best illustrate this by something that happened just a few moments ago in worship. I was sitting over here next to Caitlin, and we were singing singing one of the songs, and I noticed that in the midst of this song, Nancy Jane was, was, was quietly holding Charlie, enjoying his presence. Bobby, this is what happened years ago. You got held, same thing. And evidently, evidently, one of two things happened. Either A, and I don't know this for a fact, but Charlie made a duty. If you need to know what that is, ask any mother, all right? But something happened, and I saw Nancy Jane turn, and and Chad was there, and he's kind of snuggling the baby too, and she turns to him, and he takes the baby and the diaper bag. He is a good man. He is a good man. Ladies, hand the diaper bag to your husband. It's a measure of his of his integrity in Christ, okay? Guys, if you failed that and your kids are grown up, find a baby. They'll hand it to you. Go change a diaper once. It's a life-changing experience. I notice what happened is, is as Chad goes out, listen to me. He's being submissive. Did his wife say, Go do this! Nope, I didn't hear a word out of her mouth. He's being submissive. In our church, that is something that you and I are supposed to be. Not submissive to the pastor, but submissive to one another. Because there are people that have gifts of leadership that you do not have. And so you yield to them and you allow them to lead. Is that, does that make sense? There are other areas that you have God-given leadership ability in, and it is important that you exercise those. And folks, listen, we had a choir up here this morning. We have people that are up here, up here that, that help lead us in praise. If God's given you that ability, you don't, need to get, you don't need to be out there. You need to be up here. Because God has given you the ability to help lead other people who don't have that ability in worship. Now what are what are in fact those things that his church are are part of? What kind of in other words, what kind of church do you want to belong to? If if I were to ask you that question, what kind of church do you want to belong to? I would say that there are five things that you need to have in that church that you'd want to belong to. The first one is a church that worships God and God only. They don't worship themselves. They don't worship who they used to be or who they hope to be. They worship God and God only. 
The second thing that I think you would want in a church that you don't want to belong to is a church that disciples believers. You don't just go out and you share what Christ is, who Christ is, and as people come in and are born into the kingdom, we go in and say, well, that's great, that baby is wonderful. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Chad and Nancy Jane are going to take their, their new son, Charlie, home with them, and they're not going to stick him in a room like they can Bobby and just simply say, you know what? You know where the fridge is. You get hungry, you get, you get thirsty, you know what to do. He can't do that. So a, a church should disciple. That means care for others. They should care for other believers. And I'm not talking about just baby believers. I'm talking about believers that are from infant to aged. Third thing you would want, a church that evangelizes the lost. Somebody that will go tell the story of Jesus. Look, we tell the story of Jesus here virtually every Sunday. But guys, listen, this isn't the place that we need to be talking the most about Jesus. Let's take a look around. The entire town of Navasota is not here. They may be scattered in other congregations, and that's fine. But we need to be about the job of sharing the love of Jesus Christ, as Heron shared a few minutes ago, with everybody else. I thought it interesting when she shared that a friend of hers invited her to church. Now, guys, listen, that is not evangelism. But it led to evangelism where she heard the gospel. Evangelism is where you actually go and you say, this is who Jesus is, and I'm a follower of His. And would you like to become a follower of His? Guys, if you're willing to do that, you will find that the majority of people, at least in this town, will not tell you to shut up and leave them alone. In fact, what they'll do is say, I appreciate you sharing that with me. I already go to church. Some of them will tell you, I go to church. Guys, listen to me. I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred more times here. Church will not get you to heaven. Jesus and Jesus alone is the only hope for your soul and mine. Evangelism is important. The third one, fourth one rather, fellowship. Fellowship among the faithful. Now folks, if there's one thing that First Baptist Church does really well, it's fellowship. And fellowship, by the way, does not mean just shaking hands and hugging necks for five minutes at the beginning of a worship service. Fellowship is where you can actually celebrate things that happen, that happen in other people's lives. And I've got a, a few examples of this this morning. Um, celebrating things that happen in other people's lives. Outside in this hallway, we had two or three tables laid out where we asked you to bring pictures of, of if, if you, if you, your wedding pictures. Okay, there were several. There were several that did not show up at the appropriate time. And I was told that there were several folks that said these were left at home this morning. Thank you, girls, for telling me that. Um, I was amazed at some of these pictures. We've got a picture of one of our deacons and his wife, James and Jenna Blair. Now, James is holding Jenna about to carry her off, and she looks very willing, all right? This is kind of cool. And so what, when, I, when I said, hey, James, I saw your picture out there, and he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I had a lot more hair then, didn't I? Yeah, we change a little bit, don't we? James and Jenna Blair, I can celebrate that. 
I can share with them part of fellowship that I want in my church is 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 God to be able to say, hey, can you say yay because of somebody else's accomplishments and things? Now, this is one that is just absolutely stunning. Do you all know who this is? This is the one that stumps everybody that was out there. This is Glenn and Benny Sue Rowe. It's one of those deals that when you see it, you go, oh, yeah, I know who that is now. You would never, ever, ever miss Glenn. Yep, Glenn, sorry, I was uh, reversing. You would never miss him. If you knew him, you know that's exactly him. You know who Benny Sue is. Once you know the names, oh, yeah, sure. This is the one that is the best of everyone that's out there. Do you all know who this is? Do you all know who that is? Do you know who that is? I can tell you who this is. This is Al and Imogene Blue. Al has got this great grin on his face. Imogene has kind of a grin on his face. Did you do something that morning that, 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 that may have... It's a great picture. And when you look at it, you'll pick them up instantly. It's who it is. Fellowship ought to be where we celebrate not 33 years, but we celebrate decades and generations of people that God has put in our midst so that we can go ahead and say, yay. The last of the, of the five parts that we ought to have in a church, you ought to have service and ministry. By the way, if you miss all of these and you want to know them, you can walk out here in our church den and you can see the, four, the five blue placards that are out there. They mimic the exact same things that we're talking about here. These are the five functions of a healthy church, and each one of them have, re- have to be represented in order for that church to accomplish the tasks that God has put us here to do in the last 160 years. So the question you might have then is this. You're in a Baptist church this morning. Who is actually in charge of this church? Who's actually in charge of the First Baptist Church? Now this is a Baptist church, which means everybody here in attendance that is a member has a voice in every decision. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon on the fact that we need to do some renovation around our church property, in particular in this room right here. You saw a portion of that this morning as well. Heron was, was up here giving a great message for our children, and she punched the button or tried to punch the button on a microphone, and it did not work. Sound system is one of the things that needs to be addressed here. Can I get an amen? All of you all that could hear Heron, I congratulate you on still being able to hear. She has a teacher's voice. She was an educator. She knows how to go ahead and project. However, I will tell you, I could hear her a whole lot better after Ross had gotten up here and handed her a microphone. Now, I shared some of the things that we might do in going in and renovating our, our, our sanctuary. Here's the deal. The pastor in a Baptist church does not go ahead and say, we're doing this and y'all better get behind it. That's not how we operate. As a matter of fact, we start from you ground floor up rather than somebody who wavers atop you telling you what you're going to do down. Matter of fact, we only have one that is really in charge. 
God alone should call all of the shots in this church. God and God alone. He is in charge, even though He gives you and me a voice in that. This is the priesthood of the believer. What is the priesthood of the believer? There are two things that Baptist churches stand out in belief on. One of them is a thing called the priesthood of the believer. If you want to know where that comes from in Scripture, it is most, it is most commonly derived from 1 Peter 2.5, which says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What does the priesthood of the believer mean? It means this. If you want to talk to God, you don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through a church. You don't have to go through a priest or a pastor or anybody else. You can go right now to God. Scripture shares about... Look, Scripture shares about a fellow that was a Babylonian king that was complete. He lost his mind. And in the midst of this insanity that he was in, He even begins to pray to a God that he does not know. God will listen to you without anybody else and with everybody else around you. The priesthood of the believer, you can talk to God by yourself. Now the other thing that we as Baptists believe is a thing called the autonomy of the local church. And that means that this church does not belong to a group that says, in order to be a good Baptist church, you have to do thus. We decide what we will do. Actually, you decide. But it connects with the priesthood of the believer because of this. You have a responsibility to ask God before you state an opinion. Everybody understand that? You can go to God, but going to God doesn't mean that you just tell God, this is what I want. You have to open both ears and your heart to listen to what He says he wants through you. Priesthood of the believer, autonomy of the local church. But God is ultimately the one that calls all of the shots. Now I'm going to go quick, Sam. I, prob- I, I appreciate you giving me the extra 25 minutes. One of the other things you and I ought to know is that you and I work at the king's pleasure. Working at and for the church is great. It's fine. But God not only calls the shot, He sets the time for each of us to do a certain job. You are, in fact, you are this morning time-stamped. Do you know what time-stamped means? It means you only have a certain amount of time on this earth. And God knows exactly what that time is. I've shared and teased my friend Sam a bunch of times. You're robbing somebody in this church, Sam, Longer you stay alive, you're robbing somebody. The Bible says we have 70 years, okay? That is, that is God's appointed time. We get three score plus ten. Somewhere along the line, Sam's robbing, all right? Now, I tease about that a lot. I love Sam and I like to mess with him. But I share with you that we're time stamped, which means if God is calling you to do something for him, if he's calling you to end up being involved with farming God's way or going up to Anderson and helping us build a house during spring break, or going to Zambia with Chad, or any of these other things. If God's calling you to do that, you can't simply say, I'll do it later, I'll put it off, it'll be okay. You're time stamped. And you don't know exactly when that stamp reaches its finality. 
Get busy for God. Get busy. You and I serve at the King's pleasure. We're both expendable and time stamped. Now that doesn't sound too great, but get this. You and I have the privilege of working for the best boss ever. A boss who loves you, who gave his own son in your place, who bought you back from hell, which was all of our destinations. And when he buys you back, redeem, that's that word redeemed, when he buys you back, he then employs you in his service. Not only that, but he has the right to call this church, his church, to any task. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. This is yes, this is no. Do you like hand-washing dishes? Okay, now, I'm looking out, and some of you went like this. That wasn't one of your options. Yes, no. Do you like to hand-wash dishes? Come forward and be saved if you said yes. All right? I have virtually met no one that likes to do that. I love to wash dishes. Yes, I just love me some dishes and Dawn soap. Don't think I've met too many folks like that. Well, let me ask you another question. How about serving people who are grumpy, sometimes smell, and are not very thankful? How many of (laughs) y'all... I'm not going to pick on who you think I'm going to pick on, but she could go ahead and use some of you in that ministry that we have right down here on LaSalle. The reason I share this with you is in the last 20 years, God has called this church to send people to that kind of place where we would wash and clean up other people's dishes, where we would go and minister to people that don't smell like us, don't act like us, talk like us, dress like us, and are sometimes very, very discouraged, grumpy. You see, God has the right to call His church to any task. God called us to reach out and teach that there is a God who loves grumpy, smelly people like you and me, and that He is in charge He and He alone is the one in charge of cleaning them up. You and I are not called to go ahead and make somebody a Christian. We are called to share with them that there's a God who will make them like Him. We don't have to clean them up, folks. All we have to do is be willing to be His church. Now there's one more one more part that I want to share this morning and it had it came out of something my wife told me yesterday and I added it on. In the Bible there was a character by the name of Boaz in the book of Ruth. Okay? Y'all know who that is? Boaz. Yeah. He's a kinsman. He's known as the the example of what's called a kinsman redeemer, okay? A redeemer, some person that buys buys back, okay? It's lost, it's, it's broken, it's messed up, and he takes it and he buys it back. That's Boaz. Something to think about in our church, here at First Baptist Church. Could you use a bit more Boaz in your church? Could you use Boaz, a guy like him, in your church? In the book of Ruth, 
we read the tragic story of a mother who loses her son and a wife who loses her husband. It was one and the same person. They're left virtually for dead because they have no husband, no son to provide for them. But God had a plan. And He had a plan just like He does for you and me today. He arranged a meeting with a kinsman named Boaz who eventually falls for Ruth. And they're married. And she and Boaz then contribute a child that becomes a part of the lineage of the birth the birth cycle of Jesus Christ. Becomes part of the, the earthly birth cycle of Jesus Christ. Boaz provided from his riches for the homeless and the destitute. He quietly pointed to God and the provider of life-sustaining needs. He opened his arms and his heart to two strangers, and the rest is biblical history. And guys, let me share with you. You and I need a church like that. And you and I need to be a church like that. It doesn't start by trying harder and doing more ministry. It starts by simply being a part of the priesthood of the believer where God has a chance to do work in your life this morning. Where He can speak to you directly past anything I've I've spoken this morning. And if He's doing that right now, you're time stamped. Don't waste any more time. Say yes to Him. Let's pray. Holy Father, in the next few minutes, there's going to be a spiritual battle going on in our midst and literally, literally, all hell will break loose. And it will break loose simply because the enemy does not want Christ to be glorified. And it will break loose also, Father, because you, through your Holy Spirit, or at work this morning in people's lives. To some, you're calling to Jesus for the very first time. To others, you're calling to a church home that they need to plant themselves in. During this time of commitment, this song that we sing, if you're speaking to a heart that needs to say yes to you, I pray that you'll move them, not just spiritually, but physically as well, so that together we can have fellowship with them. We can rejoice at what you're doing. We can practice one of those five things that the church ought to be. So this morning, Father, would you do your work? And may we be a part of it. May we rejoice in it. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Ross is going to lead us in a song of commitment this morning. During this song, I'll be here at our altar. And if God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take the steps down the aisle to this place. I'd love to pray with you about that decision. And then we can share it with the body of believers so we can rejoice together. Stand together. If God is leading you, you come.